Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We've got one great program lined up for you today and you do not want to miss it. And uh, first off, did you know that in 1862, 155 years ago, the United States come up with paper money for the first time. And, you know, I've been trying to collect it ever since and not doing that great a job at it either. But uh, that's what we talk here. We talk about money. And 1862, 155 years ago this past week, the United States come up with its first paper money. Now, March Madness is right in the middle of it. If you happen to be one of those, you know, fanatics and you're going to follow your game, your team, all the way through the championship winning team, if you're going to stay with it and you got this, you're fortunate enough to know who's going to win the championship and you do it, it's going to cost you on average about $1,400 for tickets. So just be prepared. If you've already got started, it's good to know. Just about to set aside about $1,400 per person, $1,400 per person. Now, here's some things about the market that I want to cover with you. Just quickly, S&P 500 index is still up about 6% over up for the year. That's a pretty good record, guys, considering we're about to finish the first quarter. We've set a new record of the longest period of not having a 1% decline over 100 days. The Fed raised the interest rates this past week up a quarter of a percent, indicating that they're going to continue for a possibly maybe two more times. Janet Yellen kind of had that conversation a little bit, and she was kind of leaning in that direction, and you could tell. So just understand, we're going to see interest continue to rise for throughout 2017. The labor market continues to be a source of economic strength. We had a healthy 250, 235,000 new jobs this past week. Unemployment rate has now declined down to 4.7%. Now, that all that information is important. It's good for you to think about it. But today's program, is about estate planning and trust. And you need to figure that out. I mean, last will in your testament, do you need a trust involved in that? We have Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial. And we're going to be discussing types of trust and why you should consider a trust and ways of avoiding some of the common estate planning mistakes. Now, folks, that's critical for you. That's important to know because we all get involved when we think about estate planning, when then we seem to procrastinate. That's what these guys are going to talk about. Have you checked your beneficiary designations? Do they match what your will says? Do they coincide with what your last will and testament says? Do you need a trust to make sure that you accomplish what you're trying to do with your heirs? Well... Why do you use a trust? And why do you fear a trust? A lot of people do. What's going to be in your trustee? Who's going to be your trustee? And what do you want your trustee to do? Well, that is today's program. And we are going to walk through each one of those questions step by step. And you do not want to meet this, miss this conversation. It's Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan. Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm. Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial. And you're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. We'll We'll be right back after this. 
Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Yes, Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. We want to thank you in the Mac Bailey Law Firm, and we do have Mac Bailey with us today. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Well, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you because you do bring a wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate the partnership that we have. And we have Scott Jordan with us from Shoemaker Financial. Scott, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. All right, guys, we're we're talking about two of, I think, probably most misunderstood subjects, because everybody thinks estate planning. When I say the word estate planning, it immediately, 90% of the people say, well, that's for the wealthy. You know, I don't need to do right, that. Right. And yet, at the same time, we're going to try to peel the onion back a little bit today to help people understand that estate planning starts with a simple will and goes from there. Now, I'm not saying that a complicated uh, trust, Mac, is you know what everybody needs, but there are some things that are just very simple, very common. Let's start with, first of all, people fail to develop a state plan. Scott, help me with that. Give me some thoughts on that. You know, Mac, we want to kind of move into that thought process. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said most people think it's just for the wealthy. We hear that from a lot of people. But getting those basic estate planning documents in place is key and critical. Uh, you know, everybody has an estate plan, either by design or by default, right? That's a good point. So uh, failing to put the proper uh, documents in place can lead to the state controlling how your assets are distributed and not... Your personal wishes. You know, Mac, when he says that, I mean, I know you've had to go in and deal with some cases where the state is now controlling and by, you know, design or default, as Scott's talking about. Explain that in detail, what you mean by that. Everybody has an estate plan. Well, the state of Tennessee or whatever state you live in will provide an estate plan for you if you don't do one yourself. And that's called intestate succession. And what that means is, well, I'll give you an example. If you had a married couple with two kids and the husband died and the husband had assets just in his name, most people would think that the assets would go to the surviving wife, but it actually is divided up between the wife and the two children. And that can be problematic if the kids are minors or if it's a second marriage. So there's lots of issues when you allow the state of Tennessee to determine what your estate plan is. You know, a person really doesn't think about that either. They think, well, if I die, it's only going to go to her. But it doesn't, and that does, you said the word problematic, but the reality is, I mean, not only problematic, it can be disastrous. You can have families that were 
working together prior to the matriarch or the patriarch to pass away, and now they're all in. Money has a tendency to bring out some things that are not always pleasant to see, Scott. You know uh, I mean? We have witnessed that, yes. Yes, we have. You know, there was a book when I got into my you know career uh, years ago, a long time ago, that we had to read for my CLU designation called Death, The, the Art of Death and Dying. It's an old book. I'm sure I don't even know if it's in print any longer. But it, what it did was it brought case after case after case of disasters. I can remember one particular case. <laughs> this is truth, guys. I couldn't, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, in Arkansas, a very wealthy person passed away and left this estate to his two daughters. And Uncle Sam decided they wanted to charge a certain amount of estate tax. They didn't have any dollars. They had a lot of assets called chickens. And so they decided they were going to pay their estate tax for chickens. You may remember this. I've heard this story. <laughs> and so they packaged them all up, sent them to Washington. That didn't go over very well, by the way. But again, that was their estate plan. So what we're talking about is people failing to develop an estate plan. Mac, help me with this. When we talk about trust and you know the, the, the idea of a trust, Help me with what we'd say when we talk about a living trust. A living trust is really an option alternative to a last will and testament. And the primary purpose of a living or revocable grantor trust is to avoid probate when you die. Many people think, well, if I have a will, I will not go through probate upon my death. But actually, a last will and testament is a ticket to probate, whereas the living trust avoids the probate process. Does that has there been a, a movement to see us develop living trust because of the expense of probate? Is that what you're seeing in your practice? Yeah, because of the expense and also the time delay. So when you go through the probate process, it can be six, nine, twelve, eighteen months before your uh, beneficiaries inherit your estate, and then the cost can be a percentage of the value of your estate, anywhere from three to five percent, with some base amount of maybe five to ten thousand dollars just to go through probate process. I know that they have to name a trustee. A living trust still has to have a trustee. I know people think, well, who's the trustee for a living trust? Explain that to us. Well, when you have a living trust, whoever creates the trust is the trustee. So if you have husband and wife who comes in for their estate plan and they want a living trust, they're going to be the trustees. And so they're actually going to serve as the trustees as long as they're alive and capacitated. But upon their death or incapacity, then you'd have a backup or successor trustee. All right. Let me let me ask you this, because I'm thinking of across the board, our listening audience, and Scott, help me with this. We talk to a lot of people every day. You do, too, Mac. Who in your prime, who needs, who should have a living trust? Let's just talk about that. Well, in Tennessee, the minimum amount to go through probate is $50,000. And so I think there's one argument that says if your assets are greater than $50,000 and you want to avoid probate, you would need a living trust. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mac, I mean, from Mac's perspective, uh, he's saying, uh, you know, 50000 Scott, in your practice, do we see that where we see a lot of living trust? It's amazing. I don't see as many living trusts as I would think I would. No, we don't. We do recommend them a lot. We do. We do talk to people a lot about that. I think it goes to that procrastination and that, you know, it's kind of tough to talk about your own mortality a lot of times. So I think people put those types of decisions off. But I think we should probably see more of them, especially, like he said, for estates over 50000 So failing mm-hmm. to keep, you know, to develop an estate plan is the procrastination mindset. Uh, why do people do that, Mac? Why do people think they can just avoid it and not do it? Well, I think that's right is the fact that it's 
you know, death and incapacity are not fun topics. So it's not something they want to dwell upon or think about. Um, and so they keep on thinking, well, we'll do this next week, or it's not in my backyard type mentality where well, this is not going to happen to me now, so I'll have to wor- I don't have to worry about it right now. That's, uh, I think that we see that a lot. If you just tuned in, I'm talking with Mac Bailey and Scott Jordan, and we're talking about trust, and we're talking about just your last will and testament. We found out that if you don't do a will, you have one. The state of Tennessee will give you a well, your last will and testament may not be exactly what you want it to be. And also, we're talking about some common mistakes that we make as far as putting off estate planning and some of the things we do. We found out that people don't need to put that off. Uh, you're listening to KWAM 990, and I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Scott, a question for you. Here we go with the idea that I'm going to do a trust. And we got a couple of things, and, and Max helping us put this trust together. People fail to keep records, though. I mean, we we are constantly gathering, and Mac, I know in your practice, you're constantly gathering records for people. Is it that we just think we've got it all together, or or what's going on? You know, I I think part of it is going back to that procrastination thing. I think that's part of the issue, and then just the time to keep records together, the time and expense involved in doing that can be an issue. I know a lot of the times that people find that they think their heirs are going to look at their records and their local bank accounts and tax returns, deeds, and all these things, and they think, well, they're right there, and they know kind of where they are. You know, it's in the upper drawer upstairs, right. That you know, and they think everything's there, and then you really dive into it, and half of it's not there. They thought, they, it was, I'm going to do it tomorrow, and I'll get it all together. Why do we put it off, Mac? Well, I think many people think, well, we don't have to do it this week. We've got more important things. We've got to get the kids to school. I've got to get to work. We've got this event planned for this weekend. We're going to the basketball game for March Madness. So a lot of things interfere with our daily life of actually planning or being organized for death and incapacity. Organized. That's a, that's a key word. I know uh, for, a, for a larger estate, a complete list of assets and their value is always very, very essential and so, Mac, when you bring somebody in to do, uh, back to your living will a while ago that we were talking about, a living trust, uh, what are you requiring them to bring? What do you want them to have? Well, we actually give them homework. So, unfortunately, our clients get homework. And the homework is a sheet of paper that lists all the documents that we would need to do a living trust. We go through and ask them about current estate planning. We ask them about checking account statements, brokerage account statements, life insurance policies, retirement account statements. We need all those documents in order, in order to do a thorough estate plan. Let's let's give out your number. I want people to realize they can give you a call and, and, and ask for that that homework. I mean, whether they call the Baby Law Firm to finally do that, but it's it's the reality is getting the documents put together. That's 843-2760. And that's the Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey. And, and what you're talking about, Mac, is People think they've got it all together, and there's something missing that's critically important. You've given them homework to put it all together for them. That's important. That is very important. All right, guys. One of the thoughts that I feel like that we have to talk about is what I see in people. I actually know someone that has this need and has yet to do it, and that's a special needs trust. Help me understand a special needs trust. This is critical for a lot of our listeners who, who, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, but they don't do it. Help me with that. Many of our clients will have children with special needs. They'll have some type of disability that will impact their ability to make a living, a gainful employment in the future. Those individuals 
don't really need to inherit assets directly. They really need to inherit assets through a special needs trust. And the primary purpose of the special needs trust is to allow them to qualify for means-tested or needs-based government benefits like health care, for example, if they need it in the future. So, so you're talking about setting up a trust to help this child who now is becoming an adult, that if they inherited things outright straight to them, may disqualify them for some things that should be just a natural part of their 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 assets. Well, it won't say assets. Their income, their needs are being met. The government has set aside money for that person. And if you don't do that, then you're eliminating that particular part of what they should be getting. Yeah, I mean, they'll receive their inheritance and have to spend it all down before they get the government benefits. The old way was a lawyer would simply say, we just need to disinherit that child and leave it to one of the other kids and hope they take care of their brother or their sister. But with the evolution of the special needs trust, there's a much better way of doing that. All right. We need to make sure we understand that special needs trust for if you have a child that has a special need. I mean, it's pretty much says what it is. It does. Okay. Is, would you ever use a special needs trust for an adult? I mean, an adult who has an onset, I'm thinking of the person who has Alzheimer's. Absolutely. So if you had a married couple, husband and wife, the husband had uh, some early stages of Alzheimer's or dementia symptoms, what we may do is transfer all the assets over to the wife, and then the wife create a last will and testament that includes a special needs trust in it so that when she, if she dies first, the assets goes in that trust for the benefit of the surviving husband who has this type of cognitive impairment. Mm, that's, uh, that, is, that is so critical. I mean, because you think, and that could happen, does the, does the person who is the beneficiary of the trust, that Alzheimer's patient, obviously they don't have to have an awareness of what's going on. They do not. It's just the person who's the grantor of the trust. Correct. Which in that case would have been the spouse. Correct. You know, I, I hope you're listening because we're talking about some, not heavy stuff, but just necessary. I mean, you know, it's things that... It's so simple to think that there's somebody out there, such as a Mac Bailey or a Scott Jordan, that can give you counsel because it's protecting assets. It's taking care of family members who need to be taken care of, and we take it for granted that we're doing it, and yet so many times we miss that. In fact, Scott, one of the things you were telling me earlier when we were talking about the program is the failure to confirm or update beneficiary designations. You got a beneficiary that you did 20 years ago, and Mac writes a will, and they don't talk. And that's not good. Yes, they need to be coordinated with your other estate plans, and also in situations where maybe a divorce has occurred or additional children have been born into the family. Or a child passed away. Or or a child passed away. I mean, I had that to happen Mm -hmm. where it really produced some problems. So those are issues that we have to deal with. So what do you tell someone? How do you help them through that? Well, as part of the planning process, we always do a beneficiary review and talk about what what, what are the estate plans and do these coordinate with each mm. other. So that's always part of the process. And so we we dive into everything from their group insurance sure. work Absolutely. all the way up to the insurance they bought 40 years Absolutely. ago and see if it's working together. Mac, if I have a beneficiary designation on my life insurance policy and it's to my spouse, uh, and she is, um, you know, she passes away. And, you know, and I hope she's not listening because I'll be in trouble if that's the case. I should have used somebody else's <laughs> yes, spouse. Another example. <laughs> another example. In fact, let me. This re- hypothetical person. <laughs> yeah, let me get Gil to rewind the tape here. Uh, but let's say we got a hypothetically, a spouse passes away, and now on that particular person, still named as a beneficiary, 
and I'm going to rewrite my will, and my will says to go to my children because there's no spouse. Now, is the is the will going to supersede the beneficiary designation? No, the will does not control life insurance beneficiary designations or retirement account beneficiary designations. You know, so many people don't know that. That is a big, big issue. I mean, I knew the answer, and I was thinking of that because so many times so many people forget that they may have said, well, I'm going to change my will to make sure my new wife or whatever, and yet at the same time they forget that beneficiary designation and they give it to the ex-wife. We've got a case in the office right now. That's happening, and it is not pretty it's not. when it's uh, when it's uh, the spouse and the the, the new spouse does. <laughs> they're not they're not friends. Let's put it that way. And so that's an issue if you know what I'm talking about. So if you just tuned in, we're going to come back in just a few minutes. We're talking with Mac Bailey and of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about trust, your last will and testament, some things about to avoid with trust and what to do. We're going to talk about coming back, though. How do you trust the trustee? Because that's critical. And uh, do you fear a trustee? Well, Mac's going to walk us through that and some of the very important things that you want to consider when you're selecting that trustee. Also, some ways of uh, avoiding some common estate planning mistakes with Scott Jordan. So stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. My guest today, Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law Firm and Scott Jordan. And we're talking about common mistakes that we do when it comes to estate planning and understanding a trust. And I had said before the break that I was going to ask Mac, how do you go about picking that trustee? But before we get to that part, guys, you have to have some fiduciaries. Every last will and testament, every trust, I mean, as you go through this, a person's designing their will, they've got to be some, and I love the word fiduciary because reality is this is a person who is given the charge of taking care of what you have said in your will and execute it. In other words, do what the will is saying. And so, Mac, help me with this. You name a couple of people, you got to have, you know, the guardian. Let's start with the guardian. That's so critical. Well, yeah, the guardian's job really lasts until a minor child turns majority age. And so when you're picking a guardian, you're selecting someone that's going to decide um, where your kid goes to school, where your kid goes to church, what they wear, what they eat, how late they stay up, what values you want imparted to this particular child. So the selection of the guardian is very important. Let me ask this because, well, let me say this. If you're listening to this program, you just heard somebody that you're going to name that has the responsibility of basically rearing that child. Now, everybody says, well, that's not going to happen. You know, we won't be killed in a common disaster. Common disaster is a common accident. 
That has happened in my career more than once. And it is not good, and people need to understand, that's why you do the planning. It may never happen to you, and you say, great, okay, no problem. But if it does, you don't want, because, Mac, we were talking about during the break, I have been in court with one of the probate judges as we were going through that. I'm sure you have, too. It's not a pretty sight to see the them fighting over who's going to take care of the kids, because the court's going to decide who is going to take care of the kids if you didn't name it in a will. That's right. And the court only may have an hour hearing to make that decision. So Mm. they don't have the entire lifetime experience that you have with your kid to help make that decision. They're just going to hear what they hear for one hour and then decide who takes care of your child. Let me say this to everybody listening, and whether you're listening live today or you're listening to the podcast, bottom line, if you don't have a will and you have minor children, you need to understand this is critical. You don't have to get elaborate, you know, you know, be careful what you do, but just get someone to help you design a will with a guardian as the person taking care of your minor children. What else What else are you naming when you talk about fiduciaries? Well, you're going to name an executor, someone that's going to minister your estate. Uh, you're going to name the guardian we just spoke about. And then if you leave any assets in trust for a beneficiary, you're going to name a trustee. Now, help me with that, the selection of the trustee, because this is the person who's managing the assets after the estate settled. That's right. And the word trustee has the word trust in it. So you have to trust the person you're selecting. And so you're going to look at family members. You're going to look at friends, business acquaintances, professionals like lawyers and accountants, and then corporate trust departments. Do you, when you say corporate trust departments, one of the things that we kind of talk about, and I know, Scott, we deal with this, you know, sometimes we say select a family member and a corporate trustee. Yeah, I think I think a corporate trustee is an important thing to consider. You know, they bring the experience to the table, uh, they bring objectivity to the table, and then they also bring continuity to the table. So it, yeah, those it, three things are important in, in deciding who's going to be the trustee. Continuity is critical because right. you name a trustee and two years later that trustee passes away and now you got to name another one. What about breaking a, a trust and, and saying, I want to I want to change trustees and or I want to not have a trust anymore? Can you do that back I guess it depends on the type of trust. If it's a revocable trust and you're the grantor, the creator of the trust, then you can change the trustee anytime you get ready. If it's an irrevocable trust, then either the trust document needs to allow the change of trustee or you have to go to court to change the trustee. You know, guys, we are covering so much information. And I mean, this is, you guys have done a great job. I mean, I, I could continue this conversation because, in fact, I'm looking at what I'm talking about, incapacity, you know, the trust trustee becomes incapacitated or something that you're doing a you know a plan for someone or maybe just fail, failure to review it on a regular basis i know that can create problems and i didn't get into with you mac the idea behind a charitable trust as people are we're known as one of the top city number two as with our philanthropic mindset and so i really would like to talk about charitable trust. Now, let me ask you guys uh, we, we've run out of time. I, would you come back and do this again? I mean, there's so much more we got coming. Can Absolutely. You, all right, let's do that, Scott. Absolutely, sure. All right, I want to do that because there's so much we're talking about. So, um, boy, I hate to turn the page. i got so much going on. But I do have some guests that are going to be here in just a moment. There's something coming up, not Saturday, but it's coming up the following Saturday. On the 25th of March, it is 
going to be called Miles from Myeloma. You don't want to miss this because you need to find out a little bit about this particular cancer. I have three guests that's going to be with me, and I can't wait to talk to them. So stay with us because when we come back after Mid-South History Moment with Rebecca Brazier, written by, of course, our own Drew Johnson, we're going to find out what myeloma, multiple myeloma, really means. And uh, you don't want to miss it. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. On September 26, 1933, all the members of the John Dillinger gang escaped from prison in Michigan City, Indiana in the early morning hours. What is not well known is that the FBI arrested notorious Memphis gangster and bootlegger George Machine Gun Kelly that same morning, on the order of J. Edgar Hoover. Kelly had kidnapped Oklahoma City tycoon Charles Urschel and had been on the run for over 50 days before the FBI caught up with him in Memphis. Kelly surrendered to the FBI and Memphis police without a fight. The trials that follow were significant because they were the first kidnapping trials in the United States after kidnapping was made a federal offense. They also marked the first time that defendants were moved by airplane, and it was the first major crime solved by the FBI. George Kelly and his wife were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. George spent 17 years in Alcatraz before being transferred to Leavenworth. He died three years later of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do and the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. Every pet comes with a unique set of hopes and dreams. Will he chase balls? Will she be friendly? Will he catch frisbees? And lifelong wishes. Will Will they they be be healthy? healthy? Start with early and regular visits to your veterinarian for vaccinations and disease protection. Regular exams help diagnose, treat, and prevent serious health problems. Will he love long walks? Will Will they they be be healthy? healthy? See that your new pet grows up healthy and happy. Call your veterinarian today. A message from your local veterinarians. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I've just welcomed back again. This is Jim Shoemaker, of course, and listening to Talk Money. Let me just ask you this question, because imagine experiencing pain so severe that it kept you in bed for a week at a time or weeks at a time. What if someone told you that you could no longer pick up your child or tightly embrace the loved ones that you're so accustomed to that for fear 
of breaking a bone. Imagine knowing that your symptoms could worsen to a point that you might become completely debilitated. And that's uh, that's what I'm talking about today. This is a subject that, you know, we don't normally talk about on Talk Money. We don't normally do this. But uh, coming up in a couple, and actually next weekend, is the Miles for Myeloma. And I want you to understand what myeloma is all about. So many people don't know this particular cancer. Now, I have two guests on the program, and they're going to help me explain it. And uh, it's uh, it's a disease. It's a cancer disease. It's a blood disease. And it's one of those things that so many people just don't know about, and they need to be tested for it. So coming up, as I want to make sure that you know that Memphis Mouse for Myeloma, the sixth annual Run. It's a fun run. Benefit to the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation and the International Myeloma Foundation. So I want to welcome as my guest today, Jay Stressel and a beautiful lady, Tony Montgomery. So welcome to the program, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. You know, now let me make sure everybody knows, uh, Tony, you are a patient. Correct. And uh, you've had a stem cell recently. Right. I had my stem cell in January. January. Which Now, tell me exactly what stem cell transplant means. So they... um, I donate my own cells. Um, I had a um, autologous stem cell transplant, which I donate my own cells, um, and then they will. Um, I'll take chemo to um, destroy my bone marrow. It's a bone marrow transplant. It's a bone marrow transplant, and right. um, and then at some, you know, a couple of days after that, uh, they'll come in with my my cells and reintroduce my cells, and they find their way back to my bone marrow. And then the hope is, um, you know, to get rid of the cancer during that. Um, and they're giving you new, you're, they actually clean up. Right. They yeah. clean with the chemo. They kind of wash them up. They, they kill out all the, the cancer cells, you know, supposedly in my, in my bone marrow and then reintroduce, uh, you know, cancer-free cells into my system. Now, January the 5th, you are doing great. Yes. Now, I, I've, I've done very well um, after my stem cell transplant. How did you find out that you were diagnosed with multiple myeloma? I had a tumor. Um, I, I was having a lot of pain in my, my back and legs, and I ended up going to my back doctor um, because, you know, I thought I had, like, um, just typical back pain or whatever, but it was really severe. And um, they found out that I had a tumor, um, like the size of an or uh, well, uh, a lemon, um, at the base of my spine on my um, in my hip, in my sacrum. Mm. So this is what caused that you had pain and you went. Now, you had some symptoms, and uh, yet we know of a lot of people that don't have symptoms. Correct. A, a lot of people, um, you know, go for a long time. They get misdiagnosed. Um, a lot of times you can have some kidney issues and, you know, people like brush it off as uh, you're you're eating, you're taking too many Advil or something like that. Or you're just aging. Right. Or, you know, you just <laughs> things happen as you age. So yeah. a lot of people get misdiagnosed or, um, you know, in, until you know, you get a tumor or some or lesions or something like that, then then it kind of comes to the forefront. Multiple myeloma is a little-known, devastating cancer of the bone marrow. Now, that's what Tony was talking about, for which there is today no known cure. Multiple myeloma affects approximately 75,000 to 100,000 people in the United States alone, with more than 15,000 new cases diagnosed each year. And I need you to know this, it's one of the fastest-growing cancer in, cancers in the Western world world. Now, despite of this, these numbers and the kind of the, what I call the devastating effects, both patients and physicians are most of the time unaware of myeloma. 
They just don't know. They don't know they have it. So I want you to be paying attention. You go misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. We're wanting to bring awareness to this disease in order for you to, the next time a person happens to be getting a normal physical, ask the doctor to simply say, would you check to see if my blood chemistry is telling you anything extra than just the normal physicals that we have. That's so critical, Tony, isn't it? That's yes, so important. it's important to, to have blood work up um, all the time and, and look for these um, these things that will, you know, point in that direction. Yeah, because I know someone that literally got a, got an insurance physical, and literally in that whole process, you know, he didn't, healthy as a lark, he thought, and the reality was, the, you know, it came out to be the point that um, the doctor says, hey, something's wrong, and you need to go get it checked out, and with no symptoms whatsoever, discovered that he had multiple myeloma. Now, Jay, you're a caregiver. Yes. And had been care- doing a caregiver. Your wife passed away last year. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jana, Jana Strauss. She she uh, actually passed away a year ago today. Today, yes. I, I was going to say, I knew it was a year <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yep. uh, we uh, she was she was diagnosed on September 11, two thousand nine. Uh, actually, she got uh, very ill. Uh, she vomited quite a bit. Uh, told her she had to go to the doctor. She didn't want. She thought it was a virus. Yep. So we get to the hospital, went through a week full of tests, and didn't really know what was going on. And she was diagnosed with what they call light chain multiple myeloma, mm-hmm. and uh, her kidneys actually shut down. If she probably was about a day away from actually passing away, mm-hmm. it was it was that severe. Uh, she immediately went into uh, chemotherapy and uh, had her first stem cell transplant in two thousand ten. So when you go through that now, as a caregiver, and I mean, we're talking to a patient that's just had a state stem cell, and you were the caregiver. It's difficult. Yeah, very, very difficult. You, you realize all of a sudden that uh, everything else means nothing. you got to take care of this person for as long as it takes, and I was more than glad to do that. Uh, but you also, it's almost kind of like you, uh, someone gets sick, and it's like having to learn a whole new language on top of that because the, the medical uh, issues the, the insurance the uh, learning about myeloma it's it's quite intensive and to, to find the right treatment uh was, was and, and really there's there's you know as we look at our city our city does a great job our medical community does a great job but there you know sometimes you end up going to other cities i mean you, you know a lot of people i know go to mayo clinic or md anderson but there's just ways but you've got to make a plan and you got to figure out what you're trying to do, and that was tough, wasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. We uh, we we had to look at different places to go. It turned out that uh, the best place for us to go was Vanderbilt. Uh, we had uh, friends, family there, and it turned out she ended up having uh, three stem cell transplants there: two with her own cells, a Togulus transplant, and one with her brother's cells, which is allergenic transplant. Um, and she she beat the odds. She her prognosis was six months to three years. She almost made it to seven years. Seven years. Yes, yeah, great. And that and she had a very aggressive cancer. Well, one of the things when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up, and that is Memphis Miles for Myeloma, which basically Jana 
uh, and that her energy and all the things that she had that she had this vision of creating some kind of a fun walk or run or something that would raise money for an organization called and we need to make we'll talk about that a little bit coming up but the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation and the International Myeloma Foundation both these organizations are working diligently to come up with some kind of an idea of, of you know a cure today multiple myeloma is not a curable cancer but I know we're all saying that that's a vision in the future, and we've got hopes about that. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to really talk a little bit more about Memphis Miles for Myeloma, the sixth annual fun run, and how you might be able to participate. That's at Burt Ferguson Community Center at Cordova, Tennessee, next Saturday, March the 25th at 830. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services are not affiliated with Mac Bailey or the Bailey Law Firm. Financial advisors do not provide tax and or legal advice. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax and or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with two lovely guests. That's Jay Stressel, mm, questionable on the lovely side there, and Tony Montgomery, very lovely lady. And we're talking about Memphis Miles for Myeloma. Tony is a patient. She had a stem cell transplant on January the 5th. And Jay Stressel is a caregiver. His wife passed away a year ago today, St. Patty's Day a year ago. And uh, that's what we're trying to put together here is talking about a disease that so many people really do not know anything about. In fact, most of the time when we talk to people, and Tony, we, we really do find that people don't know they have the disease until something creeps up, something happens. And Jay, you were talking about that even with Jenna, that for a week of doing tests, you were looking and find kidneys were not working. So people need to be sensitive to this. And so I'm saying from listening to you guys, that if you go to the doctor and you get your annual physical, check this out. Look, make somebody needs to look for it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's not just blood work, maybe you're having to do other types of tests to do that. You had some other tests besides just blood work. Right. Well, I also, like I said, I had a tumor. So they, you know, they, they took a biopsy of that. Um, but they also have to, um, you know, they have to do a, a full scan of your body because, you know, fortunately I only had one, but a, a lot of people have more than that. So, um, and that's how a lot of people find out. Another way they find out is they actually break a bone or something because their bones become very fragile. And, and that's something you will deal with. Um, throughout the disease is, um, you know, weak bones. Weak bones. I know I talked to someone in preparation for the program last night, and uh, she was telling me that um, she didn't have any, you know, she didn't think about symptoms, and all of a sudden she's picking up a sack of dog food and broke her back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, that, you know, like, oh, my goodness. Well, she went to the doctor, and in the x-ray, you know, they really, you know, uh, kind of questioned and said, oh, well, maybe so, this and this. And nobody looked for lesions. Nobody thought about lesions. You were talking about lesions a few minutes ago. And then about two weeks later, she sneezes, okay, and breaks two ribs. Right. So, you know, this is a lady that literally had, you know, her disease had really developed into a lot of lesions, as you were talking about earlier. 
Jana had to go through a lot of tests, and you talked about her kidneys being a problem. She went on dialysis or something like that, right? And that's a- yeah, yeah. She uh, well, I, prior to that, she had broken a rib and her foot twice. Mm. She just thought she was clumsy, and <laughs> and, uh, and then of course when the kidneys shut down, uh, that was a obvious uh, indication. And she had to go to, to dialysis right after she started getting treatment at Baptist Hospital. She stayed there about three months. Her kidneys completely cleared up. Uh, she was the happiest person in the world because she didn't have to go back to dialysis for a while. Okay. But uh, over, over the years, uh, her kidneys were compromised, and she ended up getting back on dialysis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, uh, we, we talked, you talked about symptoms, and people don't know. I actually know a, a gentleman that actually broke a rib in his backswing in his golf when he's playing golf. Right, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the, guy, the guys joked later afterwards saying they actually improved his game. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. Now, we have the sixth annual Memphis Miles from Myeloma Fun Run. It's at the Burke Ferguson Community Center in Cordova, Saturday, March the 25th. At, that's this year, of course. That's next Saturday at 830. Now, we're raising money for two organizations. I think that's what you told me earlier. Yes, absolutely. Um, Janet first started this. She she learned about the MMRF, which is the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, run by uh, Kathy Juicy and uh, her twin sister. She actually had a stem cell transplant with a twin sister, and she was a pharmaceutical rep, uh, Harvard grad. So she she kind of spearheaded this organization. Uh, they've they've raised over three hundred and I don't know twenty million dollars over the last uh, twelve fifteen years. Or wow. So. Uh, so she she got inspired by that and wanted to do something local and raise money for that. Uh, well, since then, uh, since she's passed, uh, we thought about adding the International Myeloma Foundation, which was uh, actually started by a patient. And I learned he was 33 years old, which is very young for a multiple myeloma patient, right. Brian Novus. And uh, he started back in 1990, which is the first organization of, that specifically for multiple myeloma. And uh, they do research, education, and support and advocacy and they've been doing this a while, and it's a, a super organization just like the MMRF. And so it's two organizations that are really working very closely together to pull and find the research for a cure. Again, we're talking about my, multiple myeloma. It's a cancer. It's a cancer of the plasma cells, of the bone marrow, and uh, it really doesn't have a cure today. Now, there's a one-mile fun run, and uh, this is participants are welcome to go around the tra- trail there as many times as they want to. Kid friendly, right? It's uh, open, and we're not talking about a a sanctioned five k run. This is a fun run. Have a good time at it. Yeah, this is a fun run. It's just focused uh, for the patients. Uh, we're not going to have runners. Uh, yeah, kids, dogs. Uh, it's it's a, it's a city park, so you know anybody who wants to come. They can come and show up and, and, and join in, or they can get online and, and register. Now, if they go online, they go to memphismiles.org, and they can register to, to, to run, you know, to do whatever they want. They can make a donation. We, we want people to make donations, correct? Uh, absolutely. You can make a donation. And, okay. and, and, and show up, and we get a T-shirt. And uh, we have McAllister. I've seen your T-shirts, and they are phenomenal. They're worth hey, they're worth the the the, the uh, cost to, to be a part of the group. Now that's Memphis Miles. You got McAllister's providing chili. You got lots of coffee and everything else that you got. A lot of things going on for that particular fun run. I want to remind people, it is MemphisMiles.org. It's Memphis Miles from Myeloma. It's March the twenty fifth. 
at 8.30 at the Burt Ferguson Community Center in Cordova, Tennessee. Jay, thank you so much for being with me today, Guy. Thank you. And, Tony, as always, it's a pleasure to see you, and you're doing a great job. Thanks so much. And, uh, man, Stem Cells January the 5th, you're doing wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. We're so glad you've been a part of our program today. Of course, the first half of the program was about the Bailey Law Firm, specializing in estate planning, asset protection, charitable gifts, business succession, elder law, and probate. My guest was Mac Bailey, and we talked about trust. And Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, avoiding common estate planning mistakes. So often we forget that if you don't do something, the state will do it for you. That's why we talked about that. That's Mac Bailey of the Bailey Law firm, Scott Jordan of Shoemaker Financial, producer and board operator today, Gil Worth, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz, compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong, and Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We talked about Memphis Miles from Myeloma. You don't want to miss it next Saturday, March the 25th. This is Jim Shoemaker with Talk Money, helping you make the most of your money. Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Advantage Capital Management and Securing Financial Services Incorporated are affiliates.